Hi, this is Surya Devi, and welcome to A Voice for Love. I'm a world music artist and healer living on the unceded traditional territories of the Coast Salish people, otherwise known as Vancouver, Canada. We're going to be speaking with leaders and visionaries from around the world to talk more about what it means to be a voice for love. We're going through massive changes on the planet right now, and I believe that what the world needs more than ever are people who are aligned, heart-led, and who can speak from the soul to help usher in even bigger shifts that will elevate us all into a more harmonious and prosperous existence together. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey there, this is Surya. Welcome to A Voice for Love. And I'm very excited today to welcome my special guest, Farnaz Ohadi. Welcome, Farnaz. Hi, Surya. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much for coming. Okay, I'm going to let you introduce yourself, but I'm just going to tell everyone that Farnaz is a very incredible artist who is doing something very unique, I think, a one of a kind in the world. So can you tell us a little bit more about you and what you do? Oh, thank you. Yeah, so my name is Farnaz. I'm born and raised in Iran, and I was there until I was almost 17, 18, and we immigrated as a family, and that matters because I think people who immigrate by themselves face very different challenges. So I was privileged. We all came as a family and we went to Toronto first. We were there for six years and then I moved to Vancouver. My husband now, my boyfriend at the time was here studying. So I I had that journey, a second mini immigration back to Vancouver. Um, I have been involved in the world of flamenco since I was, I don't know, like four or five through my dad. He played flamenco music for me. I, you know, for us and went on big ranty lectures about the angst and the problems and the history of flamenco. And, and it didn't quite catch on until we went to Spain. I was around 13 or 14 and it was a big trip. Like we spent a whole month down in South of Spain, going through all the architectural ruins and all the remains and the, you know, the touches of the Moorish culture and the nomads that went through. And then we went through all kinds of shows from really small family kind of type shows to ballet de flamenco, like very choreographed, very staged. So we went through all of those. And then I just came back stunned. And we were going back to Iran. And I just devoured every cassette that my dad had. At the time it was all cassettes. So I devoured them all. Obviously there's no YouTube or anything like that. And I had no access to anything new, but I just drank them all up. And at the same time, my mom was really interested in Persian classical music. So sort of like double, you know, stereo. One side was all about flamenco and he was also really interested in the golden age of jazz. So we talked a lot about, you know, um, Frank Sinatra and Billy Holiday and just the approaches to music and, and you know, um, beginnings of jazz. And there was really no culture of hip hop or rap at the time, but just playing with rhythm like he was really interested in that and of course he was very interested in the melodic approach to flamenco and the fact that it was just so emotional it was a mood you know and then my my mom was really interested in Persian classical music which is the modalities and what we call daska which is like every there's a frame for each style of music so I was sort of brought up on these conceptual ideas and then myself I was learning how to play classical music through piano so I was also exposed to basically classical composers. I was really interested in the history of classical music, the romantic period, how they moved into like another period and all the, you know, so just before we left, I was starting to actually perform as a pianist. My teacher was really wonderful. So there was, there was this 
blossoming of something that was happening. But I was in a lot of trouble in Iran. I asked a lot of questions. And the first, um, you know, the first 15, 10, 15 years after the change of the regime that happened in 1979, this revolution in Iran, things were really, really bad as far as propaganda goes, as far as the closeness of the society goes as far as like the games that everybody had to play from inside their home to outside the pretenses that you didn't even talk about it it just was done there was no trusting anybody there was none of that so this culture that was happening inside the home was not transferable to the outside and as i said i asked a lot of questions and my dossier was getting thicker and thicker and thicker and at the time you could not attend university unless someone basically attested to how pious and religious you were and they would come around and ask your neighbors if you attend the you know the weekly mosque sessions and how pious you are and you could have easily not passed anyway even if you had bribed everybody to tell the the lies about you so i had no future whatsoever in iran and i think i probably would have been in a big trouble because i I was so restless and and at the time i had plans to become an architect but i had no prospect of ever being able to go to university because it was sanctioned by the government so my parents and my brother he's a year older than me um also had to go to military and there was war going on although war ended eventually but that was still happening so first he left and then you know we came and landed him in toronto we went back we collected the house and basically left and that was one of the biggest changes that ever happened in my life really because then suddenly the world opened into this possibility of so many things like I remember I went to high school and the difference was night and day that I would just sort of express my interest in arts and the teachers I guess they were used to teenagers not really being interested in anything and they were just like oh my god there's this child who is interested in pottery here's a key to the pottery thing and there's a bag of clay and go on and I was like what like I was blown over by the fact that and it wasn't just one person like the Canadian even, and you're talking in the 90s, it was still a lot of bigotry, there's a lot of issues, but what I saw was this amazing arm, basically double arms that came to me and said, hey, welcome to Canada, what do you want to do? And for the first time, instead of hearing so many no's, because that's all it was, my childhood outside of my parents' you know, house was all no, 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 no. You may not sing loud enough. I was not allowed to sing in public. I would create choir groups that as soon as we got any good, we would be disbanded. Out of desperation, I was doing call to prayer. This is Azan for the Muslims. That's how desperate I was to sing. I see it now. At the time, I was just, I didn't want to go to the prayer. So I said, I'll sing it. Within two days, neighbors call and say, who was that? And that was, that was ended. So that was the end of that. I would go and play the piano and, you know, it was this massive opportunity to go play the piano. The entire two hours before playing, I was truly badgered because my hair was showing or I had crossed my legs or there were boys in the group too. They were performing like, you look at the dagger. It's like, it was like, by the time I got to the stage, my hands were shaking. It was just, everything was against you. It seemed like everything was against, it was about hindering and then about, shutting people down and about, I mean, specifically about me, it was just like, no, no. Like the first reaction is always no. And then in complete contrast to that in Canada, everything was about, yes, how do we help? 
And over the years, I've noticed that that has gone better because of the awarenesses and all the you know studies that people are doing around diversity and inclusion and and you know all that kind of stuff. But even then, I absolutely felt it, and I knew that I was home. And even though that happened, it still took a long time for me to feel completely at home, which eventually turned into what my first album is about. That it's about that journey from the child to someone who is finding a way into becoming an artist, not even realizing and the blossoming and the doubts and the depression and the uprooting and the flight, basically, I sort of symbolize that in, in this woman who is being traveling, is basically being carried by birds on strings, going from one location to another and then settling her down. And then her dreads, my you know, her locks, they sort of go into the ground and become roots. So that, that, that was the whole entire story behind the first album. And it was going to be an entirely personal project. There was a lot of tears that were shed in the studio. My co-workers were very, had a guitarist and you know, a producer, very patient with me. That, took, that album basically took about six years to complete just because of these personal issues that were being unpacked as well as the whole idea of wanting to sing flamenco and Farsi, which is pretty nutty, you know? <laughs> like, I don't even know who ever thought that this was needed in the world, but it makes a lot of sense to me. And here we are. I mean, nobody was missing this, but now that I'm doing it, people are like, well, I shouldn't have, like, this should have been done ages ago because Iranians love flamenco music. You have so much emotional connection to it. You can't even verbalize. There is, there is no middle ground. People either love it or they just don't know about it. Like, there's no one will ever meet from Iran that will tell you, oh, I hate flamenco music. I'm, like, I'm, I can bet a thousand dollars on that. That would never happen. So then somebody has come around and now sings it in the language they can understand. There's just this, oh my God, oh my God, what's happening? So there's that, there's that reaction. And then that's the Iranian side. And then the other side, the Spanish people that I find that people, especially who are really experienced in flamenco, that they know really good traditional or modern flamenco, but they're hungry for something new. And there's been a lot of enthusiasm, beautiful support from that end as well. So it's, that's why I sort of felt, okay, well, this is worth kind of jumping into the deep end with. I sort of ranted on a little bit. I hope I answered your question, but that's the journey, <laughs> more or less, what's been happening. It's, that's amazing. And th there's some pieces there that I, I, I didn't really realize either. And that's so profound yeah. <laughs> that you literally came from a place where, because that's what the series is all about, right? It's like using the voice. And so you literally came from a place where as a child, you literally could not sing. It's, you no. know, it, it's not even, and it's funny. I, I actually talk about that in my course. Like most of us, you know, we talk about freedom and then we don't realize that there are literally still places in the world where people, they're not free to speak. They're not free to sing. And yeah, it's, it's interesting. I remember, I remember I have some other friends from Iran and they were telling me about that, like no dancing, no singing, like all of that was just, is it still like that there or has that, is it, has it loosened up a little bit since then? It has loosened up, but it's uh, unpredictable. And I, the reason I say that is because you never know 
who will get offended and the show that you worked on. First of all, during the time that I was brought up, there was no possibility of ever putting on a show that had movement in it by women or even men at the point at that point or, you know, have any kind of female voice. Now, over the years, they started introducing female voice as a secretary voice. And then there were efforts made that they tried to like while they're performing, they will turn down the volume for the man so the woman could be higher. And there were multiple incidents when there's all always someone in the audience who's from the authorities and all they can do is they raise their hand and the show ends and everyone goes home no matter how much money you spend how many practices you've done or any of that um and then so over the years it's gotten better in the sense that there's less and less of those moments when someone raises their hand and stops the show but then you still don't know because the person who's in charge of giving you first of all if you want to put on a show or if you want to record something you have to go and get a permit and to get the permit you have to give them all the lyrics of the songs the songs that you're going to do who is going to be your musicians so all of these will be scrutinized so they have no controversy behind them and how much of the woman will be singing and all of those things so women cannot even get the permit to perform to record that performances some are allowed for women only audiences but then they assign you a location which is at the worst possible location in town at 11 p.m. at night to discourage people from going. Yet still people go and support. Like that's how hungry people are for really good women performing. And then again, someone could be in the audience, a male, even though it's supposed to be all female audience and they will, you know, nope, I don't like that. They did something to me. No, stop. And then everybody's like, ah, and then you have to go. So you have to be very careful about how much you clap, how much you move your body. At the same time, there's been a lot of pop, big, massive pop concerts when there's like boys running around on the stage and jumping and everybody's like, you know, jumping up and down. So there's this weird duality that's happening. There's a lot of shifts and change. It seems to me that it depends on whom you pay and who you're connected with. But the mortals, no. <laughs> Immortal, the average mortal woman has basically very, very little opportunity. But there's now a lot more women who are seeking voice lessons and there's more of that. But let's say, technically, if you're a female teaching voice and your student is a man, you're not allowed to sing for him so he can understand what the technique is. You cannot touch him, obviously, but you cannot even sing for him. So people do, but this is all hush-hush and under the table, like in the private. Like if someone decides to mess with you, they could report this. So it's, it's, it's just this weird dynamic of people living with these restrictions that are sometimes lifted, but they're sometimes not, depending on what the political time, you know, climate of the day is. And, but overall, I mean, there are some exceptional singers in Iran. Except, like I, when I listen to them, I'm like, I have no business singing at all. And they, they have very, very hard time uh, performing YouTube videos. Can, if, as soon as they attract attention, they get in trouble and they get banned and from like, you know, performing ever. And it's not even about what you wear or anything like that. It's just anything that attracts attention as a female is a no. So the assumption... This is another thing I really want to talk about. The assumption is that a female wanting to be on stage, performing of any kind, singing big part of it, is there to seek attention and is there to be salacious. Now, the idea that a female or a musician who happens to be a woman could possibly be interested in technique or pursuing an idea that I am doing or pursuing, you know, like none of that. It just doesn't even exist in their mind. So 
that's one of the reasons I've been really clear in how I dress, how I present myself on stage that, you know, I don't hold back, but I'm also very clear that this is very much like almost 90% about the idea that this is an innovation. This is what I'm trying to do. Of course, we try to be presentable in all the makeup and stuff, but you know, there's there, the approach to my music is also about that. Like it's very non-pop driven. So I try to really focus on the technique, on the ideas, on the stories, on the, on the lyrics. So to also show that I'm an older person and it's okay to still be, you know, shamelessly seeking that spotlight for that moment, for that hour and have your say. And there's someone there willing to listen and receive. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's changing, but not changing enough or fast enough. So there's a entire couple of generations that are kind of burning in this fire of change that are still not. And, you know, as you know, Surya, this is a lifelong pursuit. It's not something that you say, oh, well, okay, now that things are lifted, I could, within a year, I could be an amazing singer. This is a lifetime pursuit. You know, like it's never ending. And you can't, you can't just pick it up. This is like, when you look at the men who are successful, they've been in music for a long time. And then finally they're ready to go on stage. I've been in the game for like, I'm 47. Practically my entire life I've been in it. And now I've felt like I was ready to maybe get on stage properly. So it's sad. It's sad to witness that there's so much talent and they cannot flourish because of these archaic ideas that, oh, you're there to turn me on. Well, no, she's there because she's come up with a way to sing this thing and you should listen for that because she will push the science of, um, you know, Persian classical music to the next stage and then somebody else will come and pick that up. And for men, you can see that evolution. There's many women who could, but they're not allowed to contribute to that growth in the, you know, in the actual science of the music in Iran, so which is kind of sad to see. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that because I think um, <laughs> it's so easy to forget, you know, that we do. I mean, no, no, nowhere is perfect. Canada is not perfect either. Yeah. Yet, you know, we have so many more rights and freedoms here and um, abilities. I, ca- I can't even imagine just thinking about all of those, you know, just women being denied so many opportunities there. Just yeah. history and everything. Exactly. I mean, in turn, I mean, it's been now 30 years that I've been in Canada. And I say that in all sincerity, that every single time I'm on stage, doesn't matter how big or how small, or how intimate the setting is, I'm very conscious of this gift. I actually have a ritual that before I go, I was like, Farnaz, take this in. Remember how it was before. Remember who cannot. And remember that I can I don't want to get emotional about this, but it is very personal, I guess. I'm I'm tearing tearing up too. I'm like, oh my God, this is bigger than, this is bigger than I even, yeah, it's big. It's huge. Personally, I mean, I mean, it's almost feels like I'm here channeling all these women who cannot, and I'm talking about like, you know, cabritos with 25 people in the audience. And that to me is like, look, I'm doing this and you told me and I couldn't and I'm doing it anyway, you know? And I get DMs. It's like I remember the first concert that I had, and I got so many like people were crying with me, and I was shocked, thinking, "My God, this!" I thought this was my story, but it isn't. It's everybody's story, especially you know Iranian women and the way we are denied so much to raise our voice and to have a say, not even a controversial say, just any say at all is denied. And here I am in this amazing country. 30, 31 years in, and I'm still like in awe of the fact that I could just, you know, 
forget COVID. I could just call someone up. Hey, can I come and perform tonight? They're like, yeah, sure. I don't, they don't really ask where I'm from or what I'm going to perform or none. Of, they just know. I send them a video and they're like, okay, and here's some money. Go do your thing. And I'm like, oh my God. It was, that's all it took. And then I go there and I sit there and I channel and I'm thinking, here we are. I'm doing this because you cannot. And then off I go. And you, I don't know if you've seen me perform or not, but it's as transformative for me. I leave drained in the best possible way because I've given so much that I, I knew I could not have. Like it's just the luck of the lottery that brought me to this world that has allowed me to flourish. And then on top of that, obviously, is you know the privileges, all the grants, and all the you know all the write-ups and all the you know, like oh what is this? The curiosity, the endless curiosity among Canadians that I've encountered about what I'm trying to do, which is so bizarrely weird in some ways. Like, who sings flamenco and Farsi? But here I am, and no one tells me, no, you can't. That's crazy. No one, not even one person has ever, you know, they might question the technique perhaps, which is perfect because I can get better. No one has come to me and like, that's just nuts. Stop doing that. No one. Can you imagine that? Like being in a place that everybody's like, okay, that's cool. Let's hear it. I mean, I've, I'm still kind of not over that. And I'm like three albums in and I know that every time I make an album, it's like, oh, let's hear. So, yeah, it's, it is a thing. And I'm very conscious. I'm very conscious of that privilege. I feel extremely privileged that I was embraced the way I have been. And I'm able to sort of discuss and talk about these things. Like even discussions like this will not be like, it's fearful to talk about these things in the Persian media, even though I know as of a year and a half ago, I stopped feeling those, like I stopped listening to those fearful voices. I've just given interviews freely. I used to censor myself quite a bit. I don't do that anymore. It's like, it's over. It's war. <laughs> but anyway, it's, it's, it's a thing. Like I, I, going on a stage is a ritual for me. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hear it. Is that a little one in the background there? It's a little puppy. Yeah. Do you oh. mind for a minute? I'm just gonna send him upstairs no. to be get fed. Yeah, Is that okay if you pause for a second? All right, we're back. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I'm just like, uh, wow. This is even like I knew I wanted to have one because stay yeah, calm. I, stay calm. <laughs> I, no, I have. No, it's beautiful. It's okay. No, but it, you know, we, we have really deep. I always end up having really deep connections with people during these chats, which is what we want. Like I, I look at it as an extension of the like almost like the of the healing work that I do too, because a profound conversation between mm-hmm. two people can bring so much healing. And yes, yes, I have seen you perform, and you're like mind boggling. Like you are so <laughs> powerful. I think the first time I ever saw you perform was at we uh, it was a fundraiser for Nepal um, uh, yes yes and you got up there and I remember I was standing there with Naray and we just looked at each other and we were like whoa like <laughs> you took over the whole like I don't see that a lot with artists and singers like you the power that you have and the force in your voice is just um, it's unparalleled I don't think I've ever seen anything like it it's it's very mm-hmm. powerful and yeah from what mm-hmm. I see and like what I observe in my life and in our community like you have received so much acclaim and so much love and so much you know no nobody tells you not to do what you're doing everybody's mm-hmm. like oh my gosh like Farnaz yeah. like you know yeah <laughs> the grants the you know so many features so many like I've just been so proud and like just Thank watching you. you bloom and blossom has just been incredible for me and then also because you know you came to things at a, at a little later age which is so yes. inspiring to so many people too because I know 
That's funny. I have a similar story. Like I spent my whole twenties convincing myself that I'd already missed the mark um, mm-hmm. to be a singer because I should have done more, even though I grew <laughs> up singing, but like, it was just my ego, you know, distracting me. And then again, for me, it's like things, you know, manifested and are still manifesting. I don't feel like I'm anywhere near the, not even the end. In some ways, I still feel like I'm at the beginning of, even though I've been doing what I do for a while, I just feel the expansion and the growth. And actually like on a physical level, they say the voice for women, like I've heard different things, but they say that it, like in India, I think they say that women reach their peak in their 40s and their 50s in the voice. And somebody else told me the other day, they said, no, it's 70. Women reach mm-hmm. their vocal peak in their 70s. So that being said, you know, we have, you know, there's, wow, there's, there's no time. limit there. There's no limit, yeah. you know, if anything, I feel my voice, I don't know about you, but I feel it actually growing and expanding. And the more I sing and the more I open it. So that's um, amazing. Yeah. So yes, no, you're, you're, you're incredible. And of course, yeah, you should, so thank you. <laughs> but yeah, of course you thank should you. sing in Farsi, but so I guess this means that your songs, then you're writing all of your own lyrics, or do you try to translate some traditional songs or how does that work? Um, I don't write my own lyrics. I feel like that's an entire profession. There is the lyric writing. So I happen to, you know, I'm privileged because I have access to an entire bank of Persian poetry. So I do not translate anything from Spanish into Farsi, although I have been sort of knocking around the idea with one of my guitarist co-workers is that I should do Garcia Lorca poems in Farsi. And they happen to be an amazing award-winning selection of his work, translations of his works available. But they're difficult because there's no rhyming and in flamenco rhythm speaks the first language really. So, um, so no, I don't write my own lyrics, but I do tap into the lyrics that make a lot of sense for that style of particular flamenco song. And, um, and I, I just want to talk a little bit about the lyrics because in, in, in Spanish, it is a folk song, really. At the end of the day, it is a song, it's a style of music that comes from the people. And there's controversy around which came first, the dance, the voice, or the guitar. The guitar goes all the way back to like fourth century, but it's still at the heart of flamenco is apparently the voice. So that came from people who worked in the mines with their anvils, the cape rhythm, or it came from the, you know, the nomads as they traveled through the mountains and everything they just sang. And at the end of the night, they sort of gathered around and they were so moved by the spirit, they call it duende, that like it took them over and they had to get up and kind of stomp around. But they say the voice, basically, in flamenco singing, voice is the first thing. And they sang about what they knew. They sang about, you know... Um, whatever was around them, like lyrics, sample. So this is basically saying in a in little, you know, street that I knew there used to be a little shop at the end of it. And I used to go there to buy coffee and butter. So that's the entire piece of music. And it's a very simple kind of lyric, and that's lovely. Or they talk about their mothers, they love their mothers, or they talk about how they saw their lover with someone else. Like, you know, everyday stuff. It's almost like country music in the lyrics that are about every day, you know, and that's charming. But I, you know, I'm Iranian. We are obsessed. We brought up with poetry, you know, 
thrown into our bottles. Like we just fed poetry from early on. Like it's part of our culture. It's a huge part of our culture and identity. So for me, words are sacred. I can't just sort of talk about these kind of things in my lyrics. So early on, I decided, okay, I'm going to choose lyrics that make a lot of sense, but they have a profound layer of, uh, you know, mysticism to them. So they had to be, they had to be full of messages for people who were willing and also able to hear both, you know, because of the language and also people who were interested to sit down and slow down a minute and take a happy listen. And if they didn't, the rhythm would carry them. So there was this other side to it that the rhythm had to carry them. And then became, and then the challenge sort of became this thing that how do you marry something so melodic, like Farsi language is just like, like it's just like, oh, like there's hardly any rhythm that holds it together. There's rhymes, but there's hardly any particular rhythm that grounds it. And then flamenco rhythmically, it's so powerful that half the time, even in the song that I mentioned to you, they might say the same word over and over a hundred different ways because that's what the rhythm is asking. So it's not at all about the words. They sacrifice a word a lot. Half the time, sometimes even the Spanish people don't know what you're singing because it doesn't matter. It's not about the words. So finding a way to kind of carry both. And I remember quite fondly that I was working with, um, Lucas Ortega was my flamenco teacher at the time, and then I was working with um, Falahati, like this wonderful lady, Bono Falahati, who lives in North Van. And I would go to one, <laughs> like, la, 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 la. and they're like, okay, that's fine, but there's, you know, there's no flamenco here because the words, the way you're accenting them is messing with the flamenco rhythm. So I would change the beginning to the second syllable, and I would go to my Iranian teacher, and she's like, if you sing it like this, I don't care about the flamenco. If you sing it like this, you cannot tell anyone that you're my student because this is just not gonna. So I was like, oh my God, like being able to carry both that people understood the words so they were still sacred but then the flamenco was still there so the Spanish dancer could just get up and recognize the dance and get up and dance to it that really was also partially why it took six years to come up with a way as an example in Alegrías my god this phrase like just a little bit at the beginning we almost got into a fight just because i had to do it a certain way in flamenco but it messes up with farsi like it messes the word up so it was that fine-tuned of an effort to try to make these work because you know as you know me Serena, i don't do anything small so it was like that's it i'm obsessed with it i gotta make this happen so then you know so then the words became very much about the style of flamenco like in that particular song it's an alegrias which is entirely about happiness and i found a poem that it basically talks about this dancer that needs to like let loose her hair and not care about anything what she's wearing and just let loose and dance and go from door to door and call everyone to dance so to me that was very much the embodiment what Alegrias was about which is about happiness so then the F to then the challenge became okay I found the right words I, I know the rhythm how do I make them work together so it says what I need to say and then also inspires a dancer once I explain to them what this is about they can actually embody it and dance it because I always worked very closely with flamenco dancers as well so yeah, the lyrics, the lyrics, I would say 50% have the weight in what I do. It's all about the lyrics.
and obviously, you know, as, as I have grown more, this, this, there's been faster and faster process. Like I've seemed to have gotten an understanding on how they should work together. It's not always successful, but this is a work in progress. And I find that I'm becoming bolder with my lyrics. I tend to be a little bit more timid towards my first album when I listen back. And then the, first, the second album is a lot more risky, I guess, or risk-taking approach to lyricism. And just like, you know, just maybe this works and just try it. So, yeah, but it's all about the rhythm. The lyrics are very important, just as the rhythm is. Rhythm carries the lyrics for people who understand both. There suddenly it's like a lightning bolt that, <laughs> that kind of smacks him in the head. Oh, my God, I get this rhythm, and then I understand what she's saying, and this makes so much sense why she's choosing these words to go with this song. And, and it's, I get that it's like a niche within a niche within a niche. Like there's only a very few people in the world who understand the words and understand flamenco enough to be able to recognize what I was I'm trying to do. But it's, it's you know, this, this makes a lot of sense to me. It's the song of my, my heart and it's, it makes a lot of sense and there's a lot of conviction behind it. So hopefully that comes through. Oh, it does. I always remember you said to me once, um, you said to me before, you said like, uh, and like with, a, with so much conviction, you're like, I'm here to leave, leave a legacy. And that always yeah. stuck with me. You know, <laughs> I know you don't do anything That's small, but, but you know what? It's yeah. felt. That's the thing. So maybe people don't understand the, you know, maybe not everybody understands the words or all of that like effort and work that had to go into it, but it is felt and it is known. And so that is what makes your music incredible is because whether or not okay. people understand that that energy is is felt like I'm a big believer and a practicer or trying to have like you know the organic mm. process of creating music right and like mm-hmm. every making trying to make every step along the way important and I believe that every single one of those steps along the way contributes to something amazing because I've had um, you know, I've been part of projects or done songs that like could have been incredible, but they didn't work out as, as much as they could have. And I, and I feel like it was because of the dynamics happening within the, within the people that were working within those kinds of things. And then that ended up with a finished product that although it's good and it sounds good, it's almost like, um, I don't know if it taints it or something like that. So like, I understand that too. I try to like, I'm Virgo, right? So I, I like <laughs> thinking about like all the little steps, mentalizing like things, all yeah. the, all the little steps along the way. So even if yeah. people don't understand it's felt and I do understand what you're talking about to an extent because I've studied like just a wee wee bit of like Indian classical music Mm. and it's similar like when you were talking about the lyrics like when I would ask my teacher like what does the song mean and they're like oh it's just about Krishna and he has a blue ball and he's in the sunshine and he's bouncing the blue ball and this is and the whole song it's like a long song but that's basically all it's about like these very simple things and then they will take words and they will sing that word over and over again and of course Indian classical probably similar to Persian music has a big um, devotional aspect but it's yeah. like that too they will take you know there's one word but then in learning that actually it, it translated a lot into the other music that I sing too because I realized that you can do that you can just take one word and play with it you can take one sound and you know play with that and make it into something 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 different you know yes yes yeah 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 it's interesting you know if, if you allow the words to seep into you there's layers to what I'm trying to do and it's okay even the first layer sometimes is enough and not people is ready not everybody's ready to receive and that's okay too but i am i am still very much driven by the concept of leaving a legacy behind and now it's sort of morphed into the idea that i'm blazing this road i'm kind of carving this road that no one even thought that it was necessary but i like it to be open for others who might want to follow 
I used to be very much about like, this is my role now, but it's, it's a lot less about ego now. It's more about like, look, it's possible. It's possible to be 47, to be an Iranian woman raised, you know, born and raised in Iran. So I'm very much of that culture and to immigrate, to face all these hardships and still have grand ideas and give permission to yourself to have big dreams, you know? So I guess that's what the legacy is about. It's not even so much about, you know, flamenco and Farsi. It's about the idea, look, she did it. Maybe she didn't get to where she wanted to go, but she went half the way. So well, there is a already. That. I mean, I'm doing it already. I'm doing it somewhat. <laughs> it's not even somewhat. Like you're yeah. doing it. You're, you've done it. You're you're already on your path, on your way there. And it just yeah. seems like you're. This is like life has divinely set this up for you. And and even adding yeah. that extra element of thinking, like you know, that you're singing for all women, like all Iranian women or any woman that doesn't have a voice, like that just makes it all the more powerful. And, you know, I think we spoke about this recently as well, like this idea of like, maybe you're meant to mentor and teach people and maybe you will start your own genre, especially if Iranian people love, you know, flamenco music so much, maybe yeah. you're going to start a whole genre. Like, like I'm really long. hopeful. Yeah. There's a lot of really amazing musicians that already instrumentally, they combine the two, but no one has dared to sing because, as I said, it's not for the faint of heart and it's not something that's going to be, you know, four or five years. It's going to take a long time for it to really settle. It's just like rap in Farsi. It took a long time and one particular amazing artist to sort of say it could sound like this and everybody sort of started taking understanding of, okay, well, this is the way you do it. And then, you know, so there's someone at the beginning that needs to sort of say, this is what I'm going to do. This is my trials, this is my efforts. These are the things that didn't work. These are, look, this one is working. And then someone else will come around and then maybe try it in a different dialect of Iran or something like, you know, so it's just someone that needs to be crazy enough to say, ah, let's do it. And you take on, you take it on and you just sort of open the path and the possibility and make it possible more than anything. You just make it possible. And, um, yeah, um, I, I do get a lot of DMs, although recently you're right. Like it's been a lot of DMs, like how, how do you do it? And like, I don't necessarily know how, but I could show you by example, like this is what happened. This was the process for this particular song. And this is what my first effort was. And this is like my 10th. And look, this sounds a lot more mature than that. So there is that process too. So who knows? Who knows what the future is so far? I mean, the COVID slowed me down, but it hasn't stopped me. I'm very tenacious. And I feel like my <laughs> my work isn't done yet. Whatever I need to say hasn't been finished. So got a couple not albums are still on the go. So not even close. There's a lot. There's a lot to learn for me as well. Lots, lots of learning still to do. So yeah. Yeah. yeah no no I don't feel like it's even close I feel I, I, I see bigger I see much bigger I see you're you're still very so. much expanding and blossoming yes and, yes um and that's giving permission to others really yes. like, to get cast this light of you know allowance this is more than anything I think is the word that I like to go by it's like allowing others to be in this light and say okay it's okay it's safe here you could do the thing regardless of the limitations you think you have under this umbrella of light that I'm casting, you're safe. Let's go. Oh. And maybe you try and it falls, but you've tried instead of being outside of the circle, looking in, thinking, I wish I could, you know, I think that's, that's the legacy I like to sort of have known that I casted this light of allowance and permission and safety for others to try. So that is so beautiful. And, and from what I hear you saying, it sounds like it's been a real process of trial and error and that it continues yes. to be that too, because you're like 
you're like foraging this path that nobody else has done before anyway. So you are trying to, and it it sounds like you're trying your best to approach it in a way that you're respecting and you're giving the ultimate respect to both, both elements that you're bringing together. And it sounds like your teachers won't let you. (laughs) Yeah, because they're they're focused on what they know, obviously. And obviously what I I'm trying to do. No one knows, including myself. I don't know. So this is new to them, but they were brave enough to see the possibilities. And they didn't say, no, I I don't want to deal with this. But they're like, okay, well, let's see what I can contribute to this. And what I know and what I do now is very much because of those two particular teachers in that pivotal moment that they tried to really shape what it is, the sound now, and it's going to keep growing. But um, I do want to add something else to the conversation, and that is that... um, <sighs> that it's like you know like one of the first one of the first things I struggled with is that I'm, I'm even allowed in a sense that flamenco was so ingrained in Spanish culture am I even allowed as an outsider because I still consider myself an outsider that I was not brought up in that culture I'm not of those families am I even allowed to really give permission to myself to explore in this way And I hesitated around that quite a bit until I happened to speak to one of my other mentors who is a Navajo artist outside of in New Mexico. And he kind of sat me down and listen, I wish I had your background. I wish I had your roots, your connections to flamenco because I want to sing flamenco in Navajo. And he's an incredible singer, sings in Spanish, gorgeous. Like he would never guess that he's not brought up in Spain, but he wants to sing in Navajo and he's not permitting himself and nobody's supporting him because there is no, he's he's finding it hard to make a connection other than the fact that that is his language, you know? So, so he's like, I I wish I had your connections, just look deeper, give yourself that allowance. So that, that, that was, you know, I guess I want to talk about the concept of giving yourself that permission first before you can extend it to others, finding, you know, like I just posted something like seeing the fear and doing it anyway, and that, that was a journey. Like, it wasn't just an everyday thing. I just woke up like, I didn't do this. No, there was a journey behind that. There was a lot of thought process, a lot of tears, a lot of fearful journaling, a lot of thinking and meditating around, like, am I, who am I to think that it's okay for me to do this? Like, who am I to think that I could? And I sort of set up a new genre in the world because there are people who musically are doing amazing flamenco fusion work both in, in like, say, Indian musical, classical music, I'm sure you know, or even in Persian music, there's some amazing stuff. I've just sort of taken it on, say, okay, lyric, lyrically nobody has attached, like done anything, so that's my path. And also the fact that I go into very complicated rhythmically, rhythm, 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 flamenco rhythms, tend to, people tend to mostly focus on either the 4-4, four, four, which is the tangos, which is the first easiest conversation you can have between different genres of music, I guess. And then the next one over is usually called bulerias, which is in sixes and thirds, and sometimes in 12 and larger. But that has a rhythm to it. So there's a lot of musical work that happens, but no one gets into bigger structures of flamenco, the alegrias and the fandangos and the, you know, all all the sevillanas and the, you know, the seguirias, like all the crazy, crazy forms of flamenco. No one really has attempted those. So that's like sort of one of the things that I've, foolishly and, and fearlessly trying to attempt to, to tame a little bit under the Farsi language flag, which has been a journey, you know, it's been interesting. As I said, not always successful, but I feel like every every song or every approach learn, teaches me something for the next one. So 
Yeah. <laughs> well, and the thing about doing, I mean, nobody can really tell you that you're doing it wrong either because nobody can, like, nobody's doing it, right? <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. No one's behind like, me. No one's ahead of me. Nobody's ahead nobody's of you. Won. You're, you're the yeah. only one. So you're I'm really, all you can do is, <laughs> Is, is try your best and it's when I was listening yes. to you that reminded me of when I um when I first started like my first EP that I made like I just made it myself in like four days but it was really <laughs> fusing like because I work with a lot like the mantras and the Sanskrit mantras and I was and I made it and I was like fusing that music with more urban like modern music and I went through the same thing and I was like who am I to do this like what you know like a lot of so people you can do it now, but yeah, at yeah. the time it was really something that yeah, people didn't do. And then I had a lot of, because a lot of that music is very spiritual. And I was like, is it blasphemous for me to like bring these two elements together? And then another yes. part of me is like, well, why not? Because there's spirituality in everything. And maybe fusing it will this with this will expose these like, you know, beautiful prayers to people yeah. that wouldn't hear it otherwise. So it's the same yes. for you too. Yes, you know, maybe yes. you're, you know, we're, we're always, it's, it's, you know, there's always an opportunity to educate people and to learn. And ultimately, I think like, I love that you said, give yourself permission, because I feel like the creation process should yeah. be, should be open. It should be wide open. We shouldn't have these sort of limitations. As long as we do what we do respectfully, of course, like yeah. we don't, yeah. you know, step on anybody's toes or steal or take from anyone. But that is to me, that's what creativity is. And that's why mm -hmm. I love world music and fusion music and seeing all of these different elements come together yeah. because like mm -hmm. music in our world is just so varied. Like you go all around mm -hmm. the world and everybody has all of these different types of music. And I just think it's incredible. So I love, mm -hmm. I love seeing mm -hmm. people that merge different cultures and fuse different. It's, it's yeah, uh, exactly. amazing. And I think my one takeaway, if there is going to be one takeaway from this conversation you and I have today is that for me in particular, all those fears and questions and doubts are there even though I might not look like that I'm struggling with those things, but that voice is always there. It's all about what I do with the voice that matters. And one person might decide to listen to the voice and I tend to not listen. So far, I've been able to not listen, but I'm saying even, uh, you know, everybody struggles with those thoughts. It's what you do with them, regardless of them always being there. Because others will also judge you and carelessly will throw their ideas and their thoughts at you. So from within, it needs to be it's like, okay, that's, that's their thing. And that's partially my thing too, but I'm going to do it anyway, because there's also this other thing that's speaking louder than all these other voices. And while that flame is blazing, I'm going to continue doing, but I'm always watchful. I'm listening. I'm like, okay, are you still louder than this one? Okay, let's go. Let's do this one too. You know, but I just saying that it, it doesn't like, embrace the fear anyway. It's there. It's going to be there. It's going to always be there. I think even the most accomplished, whomever you think is the most accomplished person you can even imagine in your life, in your genre of the world or whatever they're doing, they always also struggle. It's what they do with the struggle is what, how, how they manage the fears regardless. And they do it anyway, you know? Yes. That. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I want to echo that. And that's <laughs> something I think about a lot. And that's actually one yes. of the modules in the course too, is like, which voice do you want to listen to? Because yes. there's all these voices that are there and there will always be that voice that's there that says you can't do this or you can't, you know, um, yeah, there's like, I can think of so many examples of like yes. where I almost froze and I gave into that and then I didn't, I just pushed through it. And then what was mm -hmm. on the other side of that was something amazing. So yes. yeah, that voice yeah. is always yeah. there. And it's because part of the ego's 
purpose is protection, right? So the ego thinks that it's protecting us because the ego fears change. And so it's that part of ourself that wants to stop us from expanding. It's so funny. There's so many things that you've said throughout this conversation that make me think yeah. of that. Um, very sorry. <laughs> it makes me think, it's okay. No, you know that Marianne Williamson, that famous thing that Nelson Mandela also said, like, it's not our darkness that we're afraid of, it's our light. And when we shine our light, it automatically empowers others to do the same. And there's another line that you basically almost said verbatim without even meaning it, but it, it's so true. So even... Yeah, it's so, and it's so important for all of us to be creative, whether or not we, it becomes a profession yes. or we yes. just do it for yes. ourselves. It is so important for human beings to find outlets for their creativity, whether it's music or art so or true. cooking. It could be, it could be gardening, like whatever. It could just, you know, but uh, if, if we don't have that, then why are we living, you know? And so it's mm -hmm. so interesting, like going back to this whole idea of Iran and all these places on earth where they have forbidden these things. That is like almost yeah. cutting off the lifeline of a human because we yeah. and it's it is so sad that we don't always value the arts and we don't always value but like what is the most important thing in most people's life or something that's with them every day it's music people use mm -hmm. music to get through the day they use it to get through what they're you know people use it to help navigate their emotions their pains everything you know and yet we yeah. don't always acknowledge that and then artists especially, we don't like we yeah, don't and, yeah. and we have such a hard time as artists you know like yeah. we, i think artists struggle more than anybody because i think we're sensitive we're just the, all of the combination mm -hmm. of all the things that we are and then that's people true. People just see us up on stage or doing what we do and they think like, oh, it's so easy. And it's like, no, it's not. No, <laughs> no it's not. You have no yeah. idea. What you have no idea <laughs> to get here. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I find like, you know, the saddest thing to observe from afar, from this place of safety that I'm in now is the fact that I see people struggling with day-to-day -day living, the safety of, you know, being able to go home at night, their child coming back home, feeding them. Like the day-to-day -day struggle is so much they cannot remain passionately engaged in any project of any kind even if it's not music like you just talked about cooking or parenting like all like we it's a it's a human need i think to be passionately engaged in something that actually gets you out of bed every day be it your child your spouse be your journey your journaling your meditation your music your projects you know the next house you want to sell your whatever your client you're nurturing whatever a parent who's aging any of those things needs to drive you to the sense that okay this is this is my battery today i'm gonna go and do this thing and when it's cut off forbidden by rule of law as well as by the fact that they're kept in poverty and kept in so much oppression that they cannot engage into anything. It really hollows you from inside. And I didn't really recognize until I actually had the, 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 my, my cup being full by the safety that I felt in Canada, that I felt, okay, now I can actually relax. I don't have to be constantly white knuckling all the decisions and like my, what's going to happen tomorrow? Like all these things that I was brought up with this trauma, constant trauma of survival almost, you know, every day, single day, 17 years was all about trauma. And it was suddenly all of that went away. And of course it took another, you know, six, seven years until that trauma healed to the point that I was able to reach out and do other things. But, um, it's, that's the saddest part to observe is that people are not really given that freedom to sort of just relax and then tap into their essence and what could really feed them because they're so preoccupied with daily struggles, you know? So again, something that I'm very, very conscious of living in Canada as I do. So.
Oh yeah. yeah. Me too. And then even inside of that, most artists I know, even in Canada, that's still their struggle is, yes. you know, most creative yes. people, the struggle is yes. how do you maintain your art? And if your art doesn't completely like support you, then, yeah. you know, you yeah. have to do yeah. other yeah. things. And then there's that whole thing. So yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's difficult to observe sometimes. It is. And you know, you, someone has this light within them and they've sort of dampened it or they, they turn it off completely because their daily struggle is keeping them busy. Which I think you can relate to that. I can certainly relate to that. Oh, absolutely. I think we all can, especially in Vancouver, because Vancouver is like the most expensive city in the world, right? So just even to live here is like people are just scrambling. I I always think like the perfect world, instead of like the five-day work week, it should be like a four-day work week and then one day to, you know, to either volunteer or play or do your creative stuff and then whatever. Well, then you actually have three days. But, you know, but yeah, it doesn't feel like our society is really set up to help nurturing people in their in their creativity and yet again this is actually what gives us life but you know our our society doesn't necessarily see that as valuable because up until now I feel like this is all shifting but you know up until now the kind of patriarchal Mm. society that we've been raised in is very economic based it's very much Mm -hmm. based on like material things and this is what's important and go like achieve that and have stability and get this thing and that thing and whatever and that's great like of course that will feed your artistry and that will help give you you know a supportive grounding but it's not every there's something in the soul that needs to be fed and that is what is fed I believe through you know the arts and creativity and of course spirituality of course yeah absolutely absolutely yeah 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 Okay, so I'm going to play one of your songs um, okay. to, to, to close this off. So please tell us about this, this, this song because we talked about it a little bit before we, we started this here. Oh, yeah, thank you. This is one of, I guess, for me, is one of the most difficult and also empowering songs that I've ever done. This came out of a residency, one-week residency. Uh, my band is kind of scattered around the world and in Canada. One or Two of us are here, two of us are in Montreal, and one is in Mexico. And usually my dancer is in Spain, although we worked with one wonderful local dancer. And we all went to a week residency in Galliano Island in the purpose of writing a few songs. And we all had sort of prepared some songs. And by the time we came back, we came back with seven brand new songs. And this came out of nowhere. This was not planned, but we were affected by what was happening in Iran at the time. I was affected by what was happening in Iran. There was a very difficult period of um, uprising and a lot of like just downright shutting down and killing people like just indiscriminately. And then, and then, the Ukraine flight that, you know, was shut down and killed everyone on board. So it was like a really, really difficult week. And then by the time we came back, all of that had sort of happened. So this came out of nowhere and it's, it's by one of my most favorite uh, poets called Foru Farouzad, very amazing woman, very controversial at her time. She was in the sixties and seventies and quite rebellious and she had a divorce. Oh my God. You know, she was divorced and she had to let her child go. So she wrote a lot about, um, issues that faced her, which was a lot of women's struggles and Iranian women in particular. She talks about desire. She talks about, you know, lovemaking. She talks about missing her child. She talks about um, wanting things to, wanting freedom. So the lyrics for this song is basically, I'll say a little bit in Farsi, it says, لَبْحَایَمْ مَزَنْ غُفْلِ خَمُوشِي كِ دَرْدِ الْقِسَّهِ نَغُفْرِ دَارَمْ زِفَایَمْ بَاس كُنْ بَنْدِ گِرَانْ رَا گَزِنْ سُودَا دَلِي آشُفْتِ دَارَمْ And it means, do not put a place, um, a lock of silence on my lips. 
because I have a thousand stories in my heart that I have not been told and take this heavy chain from my feet because I, my heart is so passionately moving that I need to move and just go dance. And, um, so this is the gist of the song. And it sort of came out, again, out of nowhere. I, I Googled the lyrics at the time and it, the first one that showed up was this one. And then we were working with this particular form of flamenco. It's called Sigirias. Again, that was not in the planners at all. It's a very difficult form of flamenco. It's counted in eight. It's in eight, but it's counted as seven. So it's one of the forms of flamenco that you have to be really at a level that you can even spend years trying to understand it. There's people, that's all they do, the entire flamenco career. So usually it tends to be a 13, 14 minute piece accompanied by a dancer where you start slow, you go up, you fall down, you fast again and you go back down. And then at the end, there's about a minute called macho when everything sort of just goes into entire madness and you're just like, ah! and then the dancer's dancing and the beat kind of doubles or triples. So we started from there and then we just got faster and faster and faster. So that's what, and then the, the, the way I sang it and I was like, I remember first singing it and everybody was just like, we we're all stunned. And we all kind of scattered and we came back. I'm like, okay, what did you hear? What did you, should we do it? And we tried again. And every time we did it, it became even more and more intense. And then I had a day of thinking, I, don't, I can't do this. This is crazy. I cannot sing this way. I cannot do this piece. I can't, there's just no way, no way, no way. And then I was like, you know what? Let's just do it. Let's just yeah. do it. Let's just do it. And then here we are. And, you know, I... I sent this to people to listen to and it's not everyone's song, but it's my song. It's, it's sort of what came out and it was all the angst and all the madness that sort of came out in this way of singing. And I'm like at the edge of my voice. And at the end, when we get to that macho part, which is lasts about a minute and a half, it's incredibly fast and incredibly loud and incredibly intense. And it's just like, Leave me alone, let me be free. And that's the end of the song. I don't know if you have time to play the whole thing, but anybody who listens to it, this would be the trajectory of the song from the beginning. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll play the whole thing. Is it, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll, I play the whole, yeah. Is it a 13-minute right. song, long song? No, it's, I believe it's maybe six minutes. Yeah. So it's not very No, 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 I'll totally, no, no, I'll play, no. I'm not going to cut the song off. I always play, <laughs> whenever I have an, a musical guest, I always play one of their songs at the end. So that's okay. why I asked okay. you which one would be. But that, That's I mean, the one. <laughs> And there's something about that too. There's something about just trusting what comes through and trusting what wants to be expressed. And then knowing that not everybody might love that and being okay with that too, you know, just like it's, you know, because not everybody likes everything anyway. You can't please everybody. You gotta, no, you cannot, you cannot. (laughs) That's a big thing on the artist journey that you have to, you really have to work on too, is just be like, okay, trusting what comes through and trusting that it's not for everybody and that it will just reach whoever it's meant to. and, And then not taking offense or being, you know, taking it personally if people don't, you know, yeah. love it because yeah, exactly. It's not personal. It's not personal. It's just something that I need to do. It's personal to me, but for others, they hear what they need to hear, and sometimes they're not. They're not interested in hearing, and that's perfectly fine. Um, I will also uh, mention this: that um, you know, this form, as I said, being is it's pretty intense. Like it's all. It's actually starts from the idea of of death, like the fact that they're you know called usually these martinete and cigarias, uh, so it's quite deep and dark, and it's called a flamenco hundo. So it's a bit of a 
darker style of music and um, usually the dancers not everybody can dance it as well so uh, my poor dancer she was like okay I'll try but um, I also want to point out that this this recording that should be here is actually a live recording it's the very first time we ever performed this after that one week because we came back and we had planned a concert and I put that in quotation marks because the idea was just like this is what we did in the week it's not going to be perfect but this is what happened and um I performed this song live and I had the foresight somehow to record the whole concert, which was going to be demos going to actually doing a proper album, studio album. But because of COVID, I just decided to release the live album because there was power and passion behind it that you cannot necessarily mimic in the studio. So the studio sound will be a lot more refined and clean. So there's, it's not a perfect perfect song but it captures that that anger that was bubbling over and all of those years of again hearing no and also what was happening in Iran politically and and um yeah so it is a live performance and it was the first one it's like debut so yeah <laughs> I remember I remember when that was happening that was like was it last like two, two years ago now yeah February I, I 2020 I yeah. yeah I remember that yeah um and I, I love live yeah, I love. I, I yeah, love live that. performances are interesting. Yeah. My one of my albums is, in fact, this is my second live album, mm. and I have been advised not to do it, but I don't care. I feel like there's there's something about the, the raw vulnerability of saying, "Hey, you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm not using auto tune either. Mm. Just, it is what it is." So it's also again about that giving permission to myself and to others to say, "I don't have to be." super perfect every time and it's okay and still you still good to go out and do your thing so yeah yeah I love that. wow <laughs> I, I can't it. wait I can't oh, wait thanks. to share this um, interview with everybody and your music thank you. and thank you so much it's so so powerful thank you for asking such good questions thank <laughs> you and so being so patient indulging oh. me with all my oh. ramblings and <laughs> oh no I love it I, I love it's thank funny you. I was actually just saying to somebody yesterday I was like this series is a voice for love but me personally I end up listening a lot you know I talk a little bit which, yeah. is, which is which is great which is part of is it's it's a dynamic it's the back and forth right it's the speaking and the listening but it is really and yeah you wow this was like a profound conversation and so Thank much you. um and yeah i just want to send you so much love and doing Thank what you, you do Sarah. and i love Thank what you. you do and and even just thinking on on this bigger level that you really are singing for so many so many women that can't speak for themselves and i hope that yeah. somehow yeah. your music will open more doors for for women in Iran I hope and, so too and everywhere so you know thank because you we, we it's one of our it's one of our rights it's one of our superpowers and our gifts is our voice and maybe not everyone is a singer but we should all have the ability to mm-hmm. freely express mm-hmm. ourselves and yes. I'm passionate about that which is why I do this yeah <laughs> so. yeah yeah absolutely well I but as a side point I mentioned this last time to you but I really do mean this like perhaps get someone to interview you as well oh. like turn the turn the microphone around and you get a chance to speak about your passions I know you're going to do the courses but I would really recommend doing an episode on you Okay, maybe you can interview, interview me. You. I would love to. I okay, would love perfect. to. Yeah. yeah, I've done some yeah. podcasts, but it's just myself talking, but I haven't yeah. had anyone actually. I mean, sometimes I do do interviews, but not for my own thing. So yeah, we can do that. Yeah. You can uh, interview yeah, me. Let me know. Absolutely. I would perfect. love to. Yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> oh, do that. Thank, thank you, you so again. Much. Oh, yep. And please let everybody know where they can find you if they want to follow okay. you or learn more about you. Please let everyone know. Uh, yeah, so I'm everywhere under Farnaz Ohadi or Farnaz Ohadi Music on all the platforms that you can think of and on all of them. So <laughs> it's um, 
uh, my main activities in Instagram. I tend to, um, you know, post a lot of stories, not so many posts, but that's where I am. Um, I also talk a lot about behind the scenes and how the process goes and everything. So there's some of that. But other than that, yeah, um, I mean, everywhere you can find Farnaz Ohadi. So I, I hope I can get some feedback, just thoughts and ideas. And, you know, if you do listen to my music, it's on Spotify. Um, I'll be very happy to hear what the impressions were. If you're curious about lyrics, just come and talk to me. I welcome all. My DMs are all open, always. Yeah. Oh, amazing. That's so beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. You're you're one of a kind. (laughs) You're so sweet. It takes one to know one, see? And honor one. So thank you so much for that. I feel very honored today by with with the time you've given me and asking the questions and allowing me to speak. So thank you so well, much good. for that. Your, your voice is, that's what this is about too. It's about mm-hmm. giving other people a voice and your voice is important. And you literally thank like, you. oh, I hope everybody gets a chance <laughs> to see you because it's like, it's thank mind boggling. I don't, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I think the closest I've seen to the kind of presence that you embody is similar almost to like an opera singer who commands that like mm-hmm. presence, but there's something else even there with you. Like it's really, it's, it's almost like you could shake the, the walls with your voice and it's not just your <laughs> voice, it's your, it's your energy yeah. and your presence. But when you it's explain, the energy, I think. It's the yeah. energy. And when, but when you explain what's behind it, all of that is what's feeding it and what's fueling it. Yes. And it just, yeah. it gives it so much more meaning. So it's not thank just you. about you singing a song. It's about thank like, you, so, yeah. it's so much more. So thank you so thank much you. for That's awesome. Awesome. chatting with me today. And I look forward to everybody hearing your song. Please let us know what you think. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much. Okay. Bye, Surya. Always bye. a pleasure. Take care. Bye. Good luck. Bye. bye. Yamazan, Rufle Hamushi, Belabo Yamazan, Rufle Hamushi, Kitardel, Resino, Gofedora, Kitardel, Resino, Gofedora, the Poyam Boscon, Bandegerandro. دلیا شفته دارم کسی سودا دلیا شفته دارم من امان مور مرغی که دیریست من امان مور من مرغی که
فقط مرغی که دیریست به سرندیشه پرواز دارم به سرندیشه پرواز دارم سرودم ناله شد در سینه تنگ سرودم ناله شد در سینه تنگ به حضرت to a voice for love. This is Surya Devi. You can find me at suryadeviworld.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this series inspires you to discover your own voice for love so you can use it to be a force for good in your life and in the world. I wish you great joy, good health, and the courage to speak up for what you believe in. Peace.